Hello, my dear friend. Today I bring you an excerpt of chapter 85 of Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality. It's about phoenixes. Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality is an absolutely huge fan fiction that's very, very different from the original work, and I love it very much, and it's hard to encapsulate because it's so sprawling. I think this piece stands on its own, and it's been rolling around my head a lot, so I thought I'd try and give it voice. Here we go. Slowly, he'd been lying there, looking at the stars for longer than he'd planned. Harry sat up from the ground, pushing himself to his feet, the muscles protesting. He walked over to the edge of the stone platform at the height of the Ravenclaw Tower. The stone crenulations surrounding the edge of the tower weren't high, not high enough to be safe. They were markers, clearly, rather than railings. Harry didn't approach too close to the edge. There was no point in taking chances. He looked down at the Hogwarts grounds below. He was predictably feeling a sense of dizziness, the wobbly affliction called vertigo. His brain was alarmed, it seemed, because the ground was so distant it might have been fully 50 meters away. The lesson, it seemed, was that things had to be incredibly close before your brain could comprehend them well enough to feel fear. It was a rare brain that could feel strongly about anything if it wasn't close in space, close in time, near at hand, within easy reach. Before, Harry had imagined going to Azkaban would require planning and cooperation from a grown-up confederate. Port keys, broomsticks, invisibility spells, some way of getting to the bottom levels without the Aurors noticing, so he could carve his way into the central pit where the shadows of death waited. And that had been enough to put the prospect away into the future, safely apart from the now. He hadn't realized until today that it might be as simple as finding Fox, Dumbledore's Phoenix, and telling the Phoenix that it was time. Memories were rising up again. Memories that Harry could never manage to forget for long. Though the stones beneath his feet were not smooth like metal, though the moonlit sky stretched all around him, somehow it was very easy to imagine himself trapped in a long metal corridor lit by dim orange light. The night was quiet, quiet enough for the memories to be clearly audible. No, I didn't mean it. Please don't die. No, I didn't mean it. Please don't die. Don't take, don't take it away. Don't. No. The world blurred, and Harry wiped his eyes with his sleeve. If Hermione had been the one behind that door, if Hermione had been put in Azkaban, Harry would have called the Phoenix and gone there and burned away every last Dementor, and it wouldn't have made a single difference how crazy it was or what else he'd wanted to do with his life. That was just... that was... that was just how it was. And the woman who was behind the door, wasn't there someone somewhere to whom she too was precious? Wasn't it only Harry's distance from her life that was preventing his brain from being driven to Azkaban to save her no matter what? What would have taken to compel him? Would he have needed to know her face? Her name? Her favorite color? Would he have been driven to Azkaban to save Tracy Davis? Would he have been compelled there to save Professor McGonagall? Mum? Dad? There wasn't even any question. And that woman had said she was someone's mother. How many people had wished for the power to break Azkaban? 
How many prisoners of Azkaban dream nightly of such miraculous rescue? None. It's a happy thought. Maybe he should harrow Azkaban. All he had to do was find Fox and tell him it was time. Visualize the center of the Dementor's pit, as he'd seen it from the broomstick, and let the Phoenix take him there. Cast the true Patronus charm at point-blank range, and to hell with what came after. All he had to do was go find Fox. It might be as simple as thinking of the flame calling for the firebird in his heart. And a star flashed in the night. By the time Harry's eyes had jumped with a reflex action trained on meteor showers, another part of him was surprised the astronomical phenomena was still there. A faint star whose brightness was slowly, visibly, waxing. There was a startled moment when Harry wondered whether he was seeing not a meteor but a nova or a supernova. Could you see them getting brighter like that? Was the first stage of a nova supposed to be all yellow-orange and that color? Then the new star moved again and seemed to grow as well as brightening. It looked closer, suddenly no longer so far away that distance became moot. Like what you thought was a star turning out to be an airplane. A lighted form you could actually see. No, not a plane. The realization spread out from Harry's chest in a wave of prickling sweat, preparing to break out. A bird. A piercing cry split the night, echoing from the rooftops of Hogwarts. The approaching creature trailed fire as it flew, shedding golden flames like sparks from its feathers. The mighty wings beat and beat again. Even as it swooped up in a great curve to hover a few paces away from Harry, even as the flames surrounding its passage diminished, the creature seemed no dimmer, no less bright as though some unseen sun shone upon it and illuminated it. Great shining wings, like a sunset and eyes like incandescent pearls blazing with golden fire and determination. The phoenix's beak opened and let out a great caw that Harry understood as though it had been spoken. Come! Not even realizing, the boy stumbled back from the edge of the rooftop, eyes still locked on the phoenix. His whole body trembled and tensed, his fists clutched and released to the side, stepping back, stepping away. The phoenix caught again, a desperate pleading sound. It didn't come through in words this time, but it came through in feelings. An echo of everything that Harry had ever felt about Azkaban and every temptation to action to just do something about it. The desperate need to do something now and not delay any longer. All spoke in the cry of a bird. Let's go. It's time. The voice that spoke came from inside Harry, not from the phoenix, from so deep inside it couldn't be given a separate name like Gryffindor. All he had to do was step forward and touch the phoenix's talons, and it would take him where he needed to be, where he kept thinking he ought to be, down in the central pit of Azkaban. Harry could see the image in his mind shining with unimaginable clarity, the image of himself suddenly smiling with joyous release as he threw all his fears away and chose. But I, Harry whispered, not even aware of what he was saying. Harry lifted his shaking hands to wipe at his eyes from which the tears had sprung as the phoenix hovered before him with great wing sweeps. But I, there's other people I also have to save.' 
other things I have to do. The bird let out a piercing scream, and the boy flinched back as though from a blow. It wasn't a command, it wasn't an objection, it was the knowledge. The corridors lit by dim orange light. It felt like a tightening compulsion in Harry's chest, the desire to just do it and get it over with. He might die, but if he didn't die, he could feel clean again, have principles that were more than an excuse for inaction. It was his life, his life to spend if he chose. He could do it any time he wanted, if he wasn't a good person. The boy stood there on the rooftop, his own eyes locked with two points of fire. The stars might have had time to shift in their constellations while he stood there agonizing over the decision that wouldn't change. The boy's eyes flickered once to the stars above, and then he looked at the phoenix. Not yet, the boy said in a voice hardly audible. Not yet. There's too much else I have to do. Please come back later when I've found others who can cast the true Patronus. In, in six months, maybe. Without a word, without a sound, a sphere of fire surrounded the bird's form, crackling and blazing with white and crimson veins as though it meant to consume that which lay within. And when the fire dispersed into grey smoke, no phoenix remained. There was silence on the top of the Ravenclaw Tower. The boy gradually lowered his hands from his ears, pausing only to wipe at his wet cheeks. Slowly, the boy turned, then cried and leapt back and almost fell off the Ravenclaw Tower, though the misstep would hardly have mattered with the other wizard standing there. And so it was done, Albus Dumbledore said, almost in a whisper. So it was done. Fox was on his shoulder, staring at what the other, where the other phoenix had been with an indecipherable avian gaze. What are you doing here? Ah, said the ancient man, standing on the roof platform's opposite corner. I felt the presence of a creature Hogwarts did not know, and I came to see, of course. Slowly, the old wizard's ha shaking hands came up to remove the half-moon glasses. His other hand wiped at his eyes and forehead with his robe sleeve. I dared. I dared not speak. I knew, I knew this choice above all choices must be your own. A strange apprehension was beginning to fill Harry, welling up in him like a sick feeling in his stomach. That everything depended on this, Albus Dumbledore said, still in that almost whisper. That much I knew. But which choice led to darkness? That I could not guess. At least the choice was yours, and yours alone. I don't, Harry said, and then his voice stopped. A terrible hypothesis, rising in credibility. The phoenix comes, said the old wizard. To those who would fight, to those who would act even at the cost of their lives, the phoenix comes. Phoenixes are not wise, Harry. They know not the means to judge us save, the wit save witnessing the choice. 
I thought it was to my death I went when the phoenix took me to fight Grindelwald. I did not know that Fox would sustain me and heal me and stay by my side. The old wizard's voice quavered for a moment. It is not spoken of. You should realize, Harry, why it is never spoken of. If the one knew, the phoenix could not judge. But to you, Harry, I may say it now, for the phoenix comes only once. The old wizard walked across the top of Ravenclaw Tower to where the boy stood rooted in dawning horror. In dawning and utter horror. In my duel with Grindelwald, I could not win. Only fight him for long hours until he collapsed in exhaustion. And I would have died of it afterwards if not for Fox. Harry didn't even know he was speaking until the whispers had escaped him. Then I could have? Could have, said the ancient wizard, his voice sounding far older than his normal tones. Three times now a phoenix has come for my student. One did send hers away, and the grief of it broke her, I think. And the last was cousin to your young friend, Lavender Brown. And he, the old wizard's voice cracked, he did not return, poor John, and he saved none of those he meant to save. It is said among the few scholars of Phoenix lore that not one in four returns from their ordeal. And even if you did survive... For the life you must lead, Harry James Potter Evans Fares, the choices you must make and the paths you must walk to always hear the phoenix cry, who is to say it would not have driven you mad? The old wizard raised his sleeve again, drawing it once more across his face. I had more joy of Fox's companionship in the days before I fought Voldemort. The boy did not seem to be listening. All his eyes were on the red gold bird on the ancient wizard's shoulder. Fox, the boy said in shaking voice, why won't you look at me, Fox? Fox craned his head to peer at the boy curiously, then turned back and resumed gazing at his master. See, said the old wizard, he does not reject you. Fox may not be interested in you in quite the same way now, and he knows, the wizard smiled wryly, that you are not entirely loyal to his master. But one to whom a phoenix comes at all cannot be one whom a phoenix would dislike. The wizard's voice fell to a whisper again. There never was a bird seen on Godric Gryffindor's shoulder. Though it is not written, even in his secret histories, I think he must have sent his phoenix away before he chose the red and gold for his colors. Perhaps the guilt of it urged him to greater lengths than he ever would have dared otherwise. Or it might have taught him humility, a respect for human fragility and failure. The wizard bowed his head. I truly do not know if your choice was wise. I truly do not know if it was the right thing or the wrong thing. If I knew Harry, I would have spoken. But I... Dumbledore's voice broke then. I am nothing but a foolish young boy who became a foolish old man, and I have no wisdom. Harry couldn't breathe. The nausea seemed to be filling and overflowing his whole body, stomach locked solid. He was suddenly and terribly certain he had failed, in some final sense failed, failed that very night. The boy whirled and ran out to the curb of the Ravenclaw roof rooftop. Come back! 
his voice cracked, rising to a shriek. Come back! Be well, my friend.